You'll remember last week the Gibeonites tricked the Israelites. The Israelites have been uh, forging a path through the Canaan land. Uh, they've been destroying everybody, and the Gibeonites uh, deceive the Israelites thinking, uh, into thinking that they're far away, and so they make a treaty with them. Well, lo and behold, what happens, the rest of Canaan land attacks the Gibeonites. And so a battle is about to ensue. So let's hear from Joshua 10, 1 through 14. As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king, as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites... The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon said to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all of the people of war with him, and all of the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Madekah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones that the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day, when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has not no day like it, before or since, when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. The word of the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but are you guys tired of the weather? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was so excited for a nice, beautiful day. You know, you just got the sense that it was going to turn the corner. So I woke up, I went to the office, 2 o'clock, you know, praying 5, 6 hours. Uh, you know, just a typical day at the office. And when I came out, it was raining again. Like, are you kidding me? Does it seem like it has been an extremely rainy winter? Yes. Cold. Spring, cold. I don't know. You know, but at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking to myself... You know, it was about November or December that I'm going, this is the best winter ever. You know, it was just mild. It was, it was like, great, I'm wearing shorts, you know, at Christmas or something. And all of a sudden, we have this weather. You know, weather is so arbitrary, isn't it? 
Who's the guy everybody loves to hate? It's the weather guy. Okay, who applauds the weather guy? Oh, you got it right today, weather guy. Good job. Keep it going. Oh, we don't even know the guy's name until he reports it wrong. And then we, like, unleash the tomahawk missiles and find him, you know? Because we should know how the weather works. You know, it's not just uh, whether we think we understand it, but, you know, there are crazy things that are happening all the time regarding weather. I actually did some research on weather because that's how I roll. And I found this discussion here in Australia from the Mail Online. Residents stunned as hundreds of fish fall out of the sky over remote Australian desert town. Hundreds of spangled perch bombarded the 650 residents of Lajamu, shocking local Christian bomber who was walking home. She said these fish fell in their hundreds and hundreds over all the place. The locals were running around everywhere and picking them up. Now, I don't know if you know where Lajamu, Australia is. It's like kind of in the center of Australia. I mean, it's not like right on the coast or something. So out of nowhere, this, this batch of spangled perch comes and lands. What I love is that a person there says, this is not the first time this has happened. Les Dillon, 48, said in the early 80s, I was at Alice Springs Tavern and I walked out and saw all of these fish. Yes, I had a couple of beers, so none of my friends believed me. I have run heaps of people to let them know I wasn't drunk back then. It really happened. You know, this isn't the, uh, the only isolated incident of weird weather phenomena. In 1876, a woman in Kentucky reported meat flakes raining from the sky. Tests found that the meat was venison. 1857, sugar crystals as big as a quarter of an inch fell over the course of two days in Lake County, California. 1940, a tornado in Russia brought a shower of coins from the 16th century. In 1969, golf balls fell from the sky on Punta Gorda in Florida. And in 1976, in St. Louis Obispo in California, Blackbirds and pigeons rained from the sky for two days. Bizarre. You know, if you have an insurance policy and you read through it, as I'm sure you all have, there's even a section in it called Acts of God. And basically the insurance is saying, look, we're going to cover you for this, for this, for this. And then it says, for Acts of God, that nobody knows why they happen, how they happen, and they can't be controlled. It's simply God does it. And so the question we have to ask ourselves as we look at this passage is this. Is God arbitrary? Is God simply spinning the wheel and something happens and this is the day that this is going to happen? And so it happens. Or is there a purpose and a plan behind everything that occurs? Is the actions of mankind, indeed even the actions of people who love God, somehow coordinated with God's master plan, or is life simply chaos? This passage tells us that God is not arbitrary. It tells us that the universe and God's plan is perfectly synchronized with God's will for his people, and that there is no such thing as a coincidence. Indeed, that God is working for his people and will utilize all the resources available to him to accomplish his task. And if God does something like this back then, what does it mean for us today? Is there a 
there something behind the supposedly arbitrary things that happen to our life? Indeed, that we can call upon God, even demand of Him, and that He will deliver because He wants to serve His purposes. Joshua and the people of Israel walked in obedience to God. They obeyed God. And in a remarkable way, God obeyed man's commands. There is something connected to when you decide to wholeheartedly will uh, obey the will of God, where God marshals His resources behind you to wholeheartedly make sure you have the power to obey what God commands you to do. See, there's a sequence of three things that are going on here. Number one, man obeyed God's commands. But number two, God obeyed man's commands. And number three, together, they finished the job. Here's the moral of the story, my friends. God will always give you the strength to do His will, even if He has to do it Himself. Was that true? We'll find out. Let's take a look. Let's look at these passages. Number one, man obeys God. Okay, you know the story here of what's going on. Adonai Zedek, who's the king of uh, which one of these places? He's the king of Jerusalem. He goes, time out, we've got a problem here. Okay, Gideon has just capitulated. I have a map here, so we can try to put some... I have a map here, so there will be no problem when I... Good heavens, Mark, what is going on here? I have a map here. The map is there. Oh, I have a laser pointer, too. This is it there? there. I saw it. The map is gone. Give me my map. Oh, well. No, this is amazing. I think I shut down the computer. Okay. No worries. You, you just stay there, Oz, behind the curtain while I explain. Okay? Here's what happened. Remember, they come in, they take a Jericho, right? Top right corner, actually kind of the mid-level of Israel on the right side. They come in from the right. But they proceed to go across, and Gibeon capitulates. They deceive. Now, Gibeon was a royal city. And so what that means was Gibeon was a city, but it controlled the surrounding area. It's actually four or five towns. It's all good, buddy. I mean, you have to fire the thing back up because I shut it off. But very dangerous. Don't put me with a copying machine, okay? It's going to be me, a hammer, and a copying machine at the end of the day, okay? So this middle swath of population and cities capitulate. And so uh, essentially, uh, Israel is marching across the middle of Israel. And all of these towns at the bottom, including Jerusalem, are literally getting cut off. There's a wedge being drawn across. Now, Gibeon was a, uh, it was a intersection for where many key roads came together and intersected Gibeon to fan out. So they've lost trade routes. And they've decided, we have to do something. We have to do something because of these Gibeonites who have deceived us, who have... Uh, rebelled, if you will, against the cause. And so the Gibeonites, they go to the Israelites. And how do the Israelites respond? Look at verse 7. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. Now, if you'll remember, the Gibeonites deceived the Israelites, right? They cheated. They went ahead and they formed this covenant. So along come the Gibeonites.
Midianites, who no one really liked anyways, and says, hey, you have to come help us. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the Israelite army, I would sort of say, yeah, we'll be there. We'll take our time, you know. We've got to get organized. We've got to, we can spare some guys. But that's not Joshua, what Joshua did at all, did he? So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. He summoned everybody, the whole army. And in verse 9, we see Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. How quick did these guys take off to come to the aid of the Gibeonites? Right away, pell-mell, double-step, through the night. Okay, they threw all of their resources in to their obligation. Why? Because they were zealous to obey the word of the Lord. And God said to them, you made a covenant with these people. Whether by hook or crook, you are responsible for their safety. So obey my commands and go and step into what it is that you are supposed to do. They were obedient to a T. And what was God's response to Joshua? Notice they left in Joshua 7. They're on the way. And while they're on the way, God says to Joshua in verse 8, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Not the first time God has said this, actually. He repeats himself from Joshua 1. Joshua 1.5 No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But God also said, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all of the commands I have given you. Do not neglect this book of the law, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And so we see here, there's Gilgal coming over to Gibeon. And you see all those round circles there? Shepirah, Kiriath, Miriath, those were all of the cities that aligned with Israel. <laughs> but down at the bottom, Jerusalem, Jarmuth, Asenkot, Libna, these were all of the cities that were coming up to attack. So as they're marching, they're double-timing, God speaks to them. Basically, what he's saying is, I am reiterating my promise to you Israelites. As you obey me, I will be with you. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Why does God respond this way? Two reasons. Number one, God wants us to succeed. I don't know if you ever feel this. I'm not sure that God is for me. Let me tell you what. If God put his son on a cross to die for you, he's for you. The Bible says that he's for you. He wants to give you success in your endeavors. He wants to show himself faithful. He wants to show a powerful life through you. God's promises, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's in charge. Walk in my ways. He wants the world to see that the people of God are different. That as we obey the commands of God, that he blesses us. I'm not just talking about your lifestyle. Forget God blessing your lifestyle. He may make you rich. He may make you poor. God will bless your life. I know people on their deathbed dying, for, dying of cancer. The people who have all the money in the world would, would die to be them because of the peace and love and joy and relationships they have in their life. 
blessed that God responds to disobedience. And the truth is, He does the same for us. You know, the kingdom has come into the world. <laughs> Jesus said, the kingdom has come. There's a new king. Where is this king? If Jesus is king in your heart, the kingdom of God has come upon you. If Jesus is king of this church, the kingdom of heaven has come upon it. And God gives the same vision for us as he gives to Joshua. Did he not say, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The world will not be able to stand against this church. But God calls us not out to destroy the world, but to preach the good news. To bring the gospel, we are to be sure an army. But we're an army of love. March. Go and preach the gospel. Speak the gospel. Be obedient. In every aspect that I've called you to in your life, as Joshua summoned all of his resources and marched through the, through the land, so are we called. We're given the same responsibility. And we're also given the same power. See, here's the truth, my friends. We know what we need to do. We know if you are a Christian, indeed, even if you aren't a Christian, you have enough knowledge in of knowing what you need to do. We have something built into our hearts. Just as a person, you have a conscience. But if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12, For we have not received the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We know what we need to do. We have a conscience that guides us. But this is what life looks like. This is what your life looks like. There's a knock on your door. It's the Gibeonites. Hey, don't you remember that you have an obligation to me? Help. We need your help. There's Gibeonites knocking on your door all the time. Sometimes it's things that we've gotten ourselves into. Sometimes it's not just Gibeonites, it's allies. Whatever it is, it's obligations. Life asserting itself on us. Joshua and the Israelites were not looking for the call from Gibeon, but the call came. And your life, almost all of your life, is comprised of situations that come into your purview that are directly from God as tests and trusts for you. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. You have momentous decisions in your life when you're making a decision on a job change. And it's also my responsibility to tell the truth to this person right here over something so minuscule and small. So the question is, what should I do? What the story is telling us is that we should be careful to obey God's will, summoning all of our resources right away, as soon as we can. You know what you need to do, and you know what you need not to do. <laughs> you know, Ephesians 5.17, it says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Remember when we had those bracelets out there, what would Jesus do? Never wore one. I don't know what Jesus would do in that situation. What I need to know is what would Jesus have me do in this situation? Jesus healed all these people, you know, but most people he didn't heal. Most people he just walked by. Why didn't Jesus heal everybody? I don't know. He was somehow dialed in with the will of God. And the reason 
God's will. God always gives you enough of His will. My problem is I don't obey the little bit that I know of God's will. Because if I obey the little bit of what I know of God's will, God will give me more of His will. Most of the time it's simply this. I'm going to give you one step of how to obey. Did Joshua have any clue what he was going to do, what, uh, what God was going to do once he got to the Gibeonites? He just knew he was supposed to get there and fight. No idea if he was going to win, how he was going to win. But God said, go. You know, kids, the Bible says to you, honor your father and mother. If you're older, kids, honor your father and mother. If you're younger, it also says to obey them. You know, when I was a high schooler, I thought my parents were idiots. Now I have kids, I realize they're geniuses. Right? See, I think I have the perspective, I don't have the perspective. But the scripture remains, the call you, if you are a young person, still under your parents' roof, is to honor your mother and father. Yeah, but they're not, blah, 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 blah. it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say honor your mother and father if they treat you right. They may be the wicked step witch, you know? It doesn't matter, you honor them. Why? Because it's God. I'm not saying that your mother's the wicked step witch, okay? Go get an email, get an email, okay? <laughs> honor your father and mother. Obey wholeheartedly. Why? Because that's what God commands you to do. You know, I wish, it, I wish life was this. You remember the old Batman? Now, I grew up watching the Batman where they had the, like, the goofy suit, Bruce Wayne, you know, and the little unitard. You guys remember the Bat phone? Bat phone was awesome, okay? I think it was a red phone, you know, like with the handle and the, and the whole deal, you know? And when, when it was time to spring into action, lo and behold, the Bat phone starts glowing, okay? Now, Bruce Wayne has a decision. Do I pick up the bat phone or do I, what is that? I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that phone. It's glowing, but it's probably going to stop. I'm going to go eat my breakfast. No, he knew that the call was coming. It was time to move into action. See, in our hearts is the bat phone of the Holy Spirit. Do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. You may not know all of what God's will is in a particular situation, but you know enough of how you are supposed to live and how you're not supposed to live. So what's your situation today? The Gibeonites are calling. You're dating someone. You're in a relationship. You're 50, you're 16, I don't care. It's the same situation. Guys, the gal that you're dating, she does not belong to you. Women, you belong to Christ. You know, I've got to marry people before. I've, ne I've, I've never had a guy come up to his mother and say, will you give me away? Plenty of women come to the father and say, will you give me away? Guys, she does not belong to you. Women, you belong to Christ. And God's will, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, even says this, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. I know, I know how to obey God's law. The question is, am I going to take the step? Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to march all night? Am I going to, if this is the line, am I going to put myself in a position where I honor God, where I get nowhere near it? It doesn't matter if you're dating. Maybe it's your marriage. Marriage is having difficulties. I don't know how we're going to unsnarl this mess. It's like fishing line, you know? It's all over the place. 
doesn't deserve it, quote unquote. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Because obeying me, move in step. Whatever it is, your devotion to Christ, whatever is in your situation, God is calling us to obey his commands, to step into action like Joshua. Joshua obeyed God, and God met him at his point of obedience. This brings me to my second point, which is even more astounding than the first. Joshua obeyed God, but God obeyed Joshua. What do I mean by that, God obeyed Joshua? Verse 12, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now this word, at that time, if you look at the passage, you may be tempted to think that Joshua has shown up, the battle is happening, and sometime during the battle, at that time, whatever it is, that Joshua commands the, the sun and the moon to stand still. It's not what the Hebrew says. It's simultaneous. As this battle is starting, at that time, God, uh, Joshua speaks to the Lord. Okay, so this is at the inception of the battle, not during the battle. And as he says this, something happens. He speaks to the sun and the moon. Well, who speaks to the sun and the moon? Traditionally, people have thought it was Joshua, right? No, it says, at that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day, when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now, Joshua spoke to the Lord. Who spoke to the sun and the moon? God spoke to the sun and the moon. God who commands the sun and the moon. In fact, this entire story is about the Lord. In you know, some languages they don't translate perfect Hebrew to English. But if you look at the way this, uh, this whole passage is structured, the one who's doing all the work is the Lord. It literally, if you translate it into Hebrew, it's the Lord who struck them. It's the Lord who chased them. It's the Lord who threw them down. It's the Lord who gave them over. It's the Lord who is doing this work here. See, it's the Lord who spoke to the sun and the moon. God is doing something here. What exactly is he doing? He speaks to the sun and the moon. Sun stands still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now, some people have taken this to what's going on here is that God uh, is saying, stop. In other words, stop everything so the light doesn't go down, so we can kill everyone. They can't escape. But that's not what it's saying at all. In fact, you see here that the sun is supposed to stand still in Gibeon, and the moon is supposed to stand still in Ajalon. Ajalon is to the west of Gibeon. Sun rises in the east, sets in the west. If the moon is ahead of the sun, what does that mean? Still morning. Okay, because when it comes nighttime, the sun's setting in the west and the moon is rising in the east. Okay, this isn't a plea to keep the day going. So what exactly is it? When you read Hebrew, Hebrew is a very boring language to read. Okay? It's like it's like a telegram. And the da 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 stop. And then the ba 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 stop. And then the that's Hebrew discourse. Again and again, it's very flat. But there's a different kind of language that's called Hebrew poetry. It's not an and the ba 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 stop. 
fact, if you look at your scripture, if you're looking in the Bible, most of you have this section right here, this language that says, um, uh, and, he, and the sun stands still, I'll give you the moon in the valley of Ajalon. It's in italics, and it's moved over to the center. Okay, something is going on here. What is going on? Is it that God has called the sun and moon to stand still in this situation? I would say no. What I would say is what we're seeing here is God has taken control of the situation. All of the elements God has marshaled. Does the day stay longer than it needs to? Yeah, it appears to. It appears that the day lasts as long as necessarily to decimate these people. Okay? The moon, we see in plenty of different places in the Bible where God uses poetic imagery to show God marshalling the resources of nature on his side. Judges 5.20 with Deborah and Sisera, if you remember, from heaven, the stars fought for you. Habakkuk 3.9, when Israel was fighting, the mountains saw you and writhed, the deep gave the voice. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. Okay, what am I talking about? The miracle is not that the sun and moon stood still. The miracle is that God heeded the voice of a man and he acted. That's the miracle. This word heeded, you ever use this word when you really want to send a message? Heed my words. Not listen to me. Heed my words. See, the amazing thing is Gibeah calls God out, and God responds. You have every right to expect and demand the full resources of God to accomplish the will that he has assigned you to do. I'll say that again. You have every right to expect and demand the full resources of God to accomplish his will. God, God calls Joshua to be bold in his obedience, but he calls him to be even bolder in his requests. This whole passage, my friends, is about prayer. It's about the boldness to obey, and it's about the boldness to expect. And does God respond? Lest you think that I'm saying that God does not respond supernaturally, I'm not saying that at all, because we return to Hebrew discourse, and lo and behold, what happens? God calls stones out of the sky, hailstones that come and decimate the army. Okay? Not sun and moon, not, not saying it stood still. I'm saying God took over. But God did this supernatural act. Now, if you go to Wikipedia and you type in hailstorm, you will discover that from time to time there are these unbelievable hailstorms that occur. 1986, Bangladesh. At least 92 people killed in Bangladesh by some of the heaviest hailstones ever recorded. They were the size of grapefruits and weighed about 2.2 pounds each. Uttar Pradesh, northern, northern India, 1888, one of the deadliest hailstorms of all time killed at least 230 people and over 1,600 sheep and goats. The hailstorms were reportedly as big as oranges and in some places were as high as two feet. 1843, central and southern England, one of Britain's worst ever hailstorms uh, caused massive destruction, and hailstones reached up to five feet deep in places. The storm is also believed to have spawned several uh, tornadoes. The overall damage was so great that an entire new insurance company, the General Hail Insurance Company, was formed to help cope with future hailstorms. 
We don't think he's there. It's like God's giving some sort of sick joke or something. No, God says, I've called you to live this life. March in full obedience. Be full in your obedience. Be bold in your obedience, but be bolder in your response. See, it's one thing to jump into a hole and then call to the Lord and say, slow her down a rope. It's another to look into the hole and grab the rope and let the Lord lower you down into it. Do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Where you need air support. Are you responding to the calls of God in your life to get up and move? Who's the Gibeonite who's knocking on your door? Who's the backbone that's ringing and saying, pick it up? But you don't want to. Because you haven't tied these things together. Be bold in your obedience. But be bold when you ask as well. You know, I don't know if you struggle with addiction. I don't know if the bottle is your nemesis. Or the needle. Or the internet. Or food. Or whatever it is. There are all sorts of addictions that we have. Everybody has an idol. Everybody's addicted to something. Maybe it's applause. I don't know. But whatever it is, if there's something that's got a hold on your life, and you try to battle against that thing, but you've just given up. Can't do it. No air support. Maybe the problem is you've never 100% gone in and 100% called upon God's resources. Indeed, expected and demanded of Him that He would give you the power. God will give you the power to do what He's expressly called you to do. I'm not saying this. I'm getting a sense that I'm supposed to quit my job and I'm supposed to move to India and I'm supposed to share gospel with the gospel that we're in India. He may be calling you to do that. I don't know. Seek wisdom. Seek guidance. But it ain't hard for me to discover a lot of things that God has expressly told me to do and how He's told me to walk. God says that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down and worship that body. You shall not crawl to that internet terminal. <coughs> obey me. We have the right to obey God and to demand His power. And you know what? God will provide. But He will do it in His manner, in His way, in His timing. And mostly it's going to be just as you take one step and I'll meet you there. When you take a step, you discover that God is there. Friends, God has called this church and you in it if you are a Christian to live a supernatural life. Not a difficult life, an impossible life. And God tells us that He will give us every single resource necessary to accomplish the objective. I think that God has a bigger plan for our church than simply us. I think that God wants to use us to impact the world around us. The people who sit across from your cubicle. The guy who's next door. The person you play golf with. God wants to transform your marriage, the way you raise your kids, the way you see the world. But you've got to take a step. You've got to remember the commands of God. You've got to marshal the army, and you need to march. God will always give you the strength to do His will, even if He has to do it Himself. So be bold in your obedience. Be bolder in your requests. And when you ever get tired, Look at your Savior, Jesus Christ, the epitome of this principle, who was a man who was called to die for the sins of the world, 
His friends even deserted him. Nobody is with him. And yet he walked on the path of the cross. Lord, give me the strength to do your will. To live an invincible life. To die a death of suffering. And God did. And God rose him from the dead. He raised him from the dead. A life of resurrection. That's your Savior. That's your King. Praise God, I have a Joshua. His name is Jesus. Left to myself, I'm not taking the march. I'm not. I'm going to stay in camp. I'm going to sleep. Thank you very much. But Jesus says, come on, get up. We're going. And you can follow him because he's gone before you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Be bold in your obedience. Be bolder in your request. Take a step. God will meet you every step of the way. I guarantee you. That's the hope of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. This is more than just talk. The kingdom of heaven is not about talk. It's about power and love and self-discipline. Lord, help us to tie ourselves to Jesus Christ. He is the rope in which we lower down into the hole. Help us to answer the phone, Lord. Give us discernment and wisdom, which calls to pick up and which to walk by. Lord, as we obey your will, don't let us be foolish. Help us to understand but give us the boldness of Joshua. Give us the boldness of Jesus. In whatever area of our life, let us walk with confidence, Lord, and do miraculous things. Lord, if you call us to live an honorable life, let us live it. If you call us to die an honorable death, let us die it. Only let us die as bold people who are doing your will.